Welcome to All Turns and No Breaks with Pam and Renee. This isn't an ordinary show. This is NASCAR Talk for fans by fans. Hey, NASCAR fans, welcome back to another episode of All Turns No Breaks with Tam and Renee. I am Renee, and she is Tam. What it do, Renee? What is up? What it do, Kenny? Yeah, what's up? <laughs> we have a lot to talk about. I think this is going to be one of our most controversial episodes because we have so much to talk about. Actually, we only have one hot topic to talk about that'll probably pretty much dominate the show. Probably But so. before we jump into that, and of course, we're going to talk about Formula One, Race Indy 500, and the Coca-Cola 600. But before we jump into that, how about your weekends? What did you do, Renee? <laughs> Believe it or not, I actually had a, a very low-key kind of weekend, surprisingly. Not much on uh, Saturday. Just went out on a little date with a little lady friend of mine with a little movie in the park night. And then, believe it or not, I was actually at the uh, Santa Anita racetrack watching a little horse racing, a little dog racing, and a little hot dog eating. So other than that, not much for my weekend. How about you guys? He glossed over. He went on a date. He did a yeah, dinner did and see, a movie did like date. I did that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he tried to throw it in there low key. <laughs> Renee's love life used to be a hot topic when we were doing another podcast about NASCAR. And even when we first started All Turns No Breaks, we talked a lot about Renee's love life. But for whatever reason, all we do is talk about Renee's partying. But when the bad boy's not out at the club throwing back a couple of beers, That's he right. likes to entertain the ladies. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of ladies, I'm going to put Kenny on the spot. Oh, man. Some young lady done told Kenny his voice is sexy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know. You she know, listened to the so. podcast and was like, oh, your voice is sexy. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I try. Just do my one-two thing, you know. <laughs> I wonder what they say about my voice, especially because for the second week in a row, I don't have the adapter for my microphone. So I'm coming at you guys loud once again. Sorry. But it is what it is. Not that I'm not loud every week, but I think without the microphone... <laughs> I'm actually louder. Yeah. So my weekend consisted of all day Sunday motorsports. I started off early in the morning, 6 a.m. to be exact, with Monaco. Because, of course, I had to watch my boy Lewis Hamilton, and he did not disappoint. And actually, my second driver, Sebastian Vettel, he didn't disappoint either. At least he got on the podium. But... He was on the podium thanks to another driver who had to incur a five-second. Well, actually, Vettel would have came in third anyway. So it kind of worked out. But yeah, so from there, I watched the Indy 500 and then, of course, the Coca-Cola 600. If you guys want to know how many naps I took, I actually only took two naps. I took a nap. I feel like I took a nap before the Indy 500, and then I think I took one in between the 500 and the 600. But they were quick naps, like 10 minutes, like just enough for me to get a little energy back going. Yeah, so that was pretty much that. And without further ado, 
Kenny was at the track. So thank you. Round of applause for Kenny for holding us down, representing, posting for us on social media. You didn't have time for a nap, that's for sure. (laughs) I know. I was on the go all weekend. Matter of fact, I think I hit 30,000 steps this weekend, accumulating for like 16 miles in total, like two days. So I did a lot of moving around. (laughs) You guys kill me with that step app thing on the iPhone. I guess it's not important to me because two, well, I was at home. So should I count the steps every time I go (laughs) from my room to the kitchen? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I think I only check it. I wanted to check it because I was thinking about it one day. I was like, man, I wonder how much I did while I was in Daytona in February. And so when I looked, I'm like, man, I did like 25,000 steps a day at Daytona. Yeah. Jeez, that's crazy. It's interesting. I usually never look at it except for race weekends. I think that's what I'm going to keep doing for the rest of the year. I'm just going to look at that on each race weekend just to see how much I've tracked in that in that amount of time. Okay. Well, keep us posted on your steps. Look. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <man>. Okay. <laughs> the greatest day in racing. Kenny and I both predicted Lewis Hamilton for the win for the Monaco Grand Prix. We yeah. were victorious in that pick. IndyCar. I don't know what happened to my guy, Joseph Newgarden. He led a couple of laps, but it just didn't work out. Both of you guys were winners. You both picked Simon Pagano to win the Indy 500. Congrats to you guys. In regards to the Coca-Cola 600, I don't think anybody... Did anybody pick Martin Truex Jr.? Yeah, I did. No. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, Oh, okay. Well, Well, excuse us. (laughs) So, Renee was two for two. Kenny was two for two, and I was one for three. For some reason, two though, for three. I, I actually thought that I picked Joey Logano, but and I couldn't remember because a friend of mine said, hey, man, he goes, just out of curiosity, because I know you know NASCAR, he goes, uh, who, did, who did you pick to win this weekend? Uh, and I said, oh, I, I think I picked Joey Logano. Well, I didn't know that he was going to put money on Joey Logano because I picked him. But then when I went back and I, and I listened to who we all picked, I said, oh, I picked Martin Truex Jr. <laughs> Man. Well, Joey did rally for a second yeah, place finish. He did, and that's what I thought was so surprising because I was like, "Man, I go, I didn't even pick Joey Logano, go, but he ended up, he ended up coming in second. I was like, "Holy smokes!" Yeah, he almost messed around and won. It was crazy. You should have went and bet in Vegas because you didn't pick a Formula One winner. So just to retract what I was saying earlier, so you were two for two because you only gave predictions for IndyCar <laughs> and for NASCAR, NASCAR right? And then. Kenny, you were two for three because you picked all three. And then I was actually only one for three because I only picked one winner and that was Lewis Hamilton. And Lewis Day was a little crazy because he was having some issues because of tires and stuff. So he complained most of the race, but he still... He still came out with the W. So that's all I think at one point, I think he actually thought that he wasn't going to make it. Like, he he literally sounded concerned. No, he didn't. That's why I said he complained the entire, like, who those last, I want to say the last 40 laps, he complained. I mean, here's the thing is that what are you going to do? You got to keep going. Pretty much. That's all. It just worked out. It was an interesting race. Actually, let's talk about the races really quick. Formula One, I thought was interesting because you saw a lot of issues going on, which I guess it's somewhat characteristic for Monaco, but 
it was a lot of action and we don't necessarily equate formula one racist with action right there was a lot of action especially at monaco yeah yeah super tight you can't really pass and all the action there was some on track but most of it happened in the pits and that's why verstappen instead of being on the podium he got knocked down to fourth place so botas and vettel end up getting at the top so yeah yeah it it was crazy yeah it was so many i think it was like what four or five pit row errors yeah, they had a It was a lot. I'm not, don't crazy. quote me on the number, but I do recall every time you looked up, it was some issue on pit road. And then yeah. in terms of IndyCar, IndyCar had a lot going on as well. Mm-hmm, they did. And speaking of pit road, who was the driver who, oh, it was Scott Dixon where his gas man couldn't get the gas flowing. I mean, it yeah. was a lot going on with IndyCar. And as far as NASCAR, NASCAR had, I think, a record number of caution laps for the 600. I do know, like, the first 20 laps, I was like, dang, we still caution? It was a lot going on. It was like four cautions in the first stage. I thought it was going to be one of those races. But historically, it did pass um, a record amount of cautions, at least for the last two years. I think last year was 11. This year, we had 16 cautions. Man. Now, here is the number one question. Well, actually, you know what? Before we even rank the races, because you know it was coming. If you follow us on Twitter or, well, we didn't really talk about it on Instagram. But if you follow us on Twitter, you already know that that was the hot topic, at least on our end, ranking the races. Before we jump into that, I do want to talk about how IndyCar stole the show. Because they not only took Dale, and I mean, I guess Danica, Danica, she comes from an IndyCar background, but I feel like more people may know Danica for racing in NASCAR because she did spend the last five years of her career in NASCAR. But saying that to say, I don't know, I feel like NBC and IndyCar, they stole all the thunder. They even stole Dale Jr. for their broadcast for the Indy 500. I think NBC, when they announced that NBC was going to end up getting the Indy 500, I was actually pretty happy because I felt like they do motorsports as a whole pretty good. Even when they had Formula One, I thought it was pretty good then. And I think the way they treat it is like how they treat a Kentucky Derby, for example. The way they build up that event. They had a really good pre-race show. I even watched that on the side while I was watching Formula One in the morning. It was so, so good. And it felt like a marquee event. And I think just from coming from somewhat of a, a background in broadcasting, that's what you want to do. You want to bring in a big time event like the Indy 500 and you want to bring on every little thing you possibly can and give every little detail, get every little story out of it so it can be so it can be and feel like someone is there if they're not actually there, you know? Yeah. So I think that's the important thing. Like the Mario Andretti video they did for him was pretty cool. I thought that was a cool little tribute video. They did that for him. That was dope. And then they had the world of a race, a world of a race. One of the best Indy 500s I've actually seen probably in the last five years or so. No doubt. It was most excellent. Everything. Just think about it. Like we're coming off the hype of the Formula One race. And then we go right into the IndyCar broadcast on NBC. So we're switching from ESPN, who's technically, and I don't know if they still deserve the title, but they've always been billed as the world sports channel or whatever their slogan is. 
Now we know Fox Sports has kind of stole some of ESPN's thunder. And then people aren't really watching TV as much because they're on their devices and all that great stuff. But saying that to say, ESPN did an okay job with the Formula One broadcast. But then we were taken over to NBC where we had Rutledge Wood and some other familiar people, especially from a NASCAR standpoint. It was like, okay, the NASCAR folks is over here giving us all the insight on IndyCar. (laughs) And not only are they giving us insight, they're giving us great insight. Even as a non-fan, I felt as if you could get into the, the IndyCar broadcast because you had Danica Patrick, who's been in the seat of an IndyCar, who's breaking it down. Not that this makes a difference, but she looked absolutely amazing sitting there giving you a background of IndyCar from a driver's standpoint. Then you had Dell Jr., who even if you don't know anything about IndyCar or NASCAR, you know who Dell Jr. is. Dell Jr. is like, look, I don't know much about IndyCar. This is my first time actually ever coming to an Indy 500 race, but I'm going to tell you, I love it. He loved everything about his experience. How about him getting in? You know, that's my goal. I've talked about it many, many times. One of my biggest goals is to do the two-seater IndyCar ride with Mario Andretti. He got an opportunity to do it. His mind was completely blown. Everything about the weekend, Dell Jr. gave a 10 for the most part. And now you talk about actual people who are broadcasting the race and covering the race that are professionals. I I just felt IndyCar did an excellent job in making it relatable to a non-IndyCar fan. And then you had the snake pit where you had 30,000 people partying. Oh my God. Drinking. Those pictures. (laughs) Holy smoke. Renee's referring to is there's an account called Indy. 500 picks, I think is it? The name of it, I have to double check. Yeah, that account is wild. That account is (laughs) wild. You hit it on the nail, Kenny. And it's been around for a couple of years. And because actually, I feel like two years ago, they took one of my photos and reposted it on there from the snake pit. I had took a photo of these girls that were covered in mud because, of course, it always rains in Indy during the 500 (laughs) weekend at some point. But it was crazy, 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 crazy. So I can go on and on and on talking about the Indy 500. And just on a side note, real quick, Tam, uh, didn't they have didn't they have some of the EDM DJs out there performing at some, at some point? Yes, in the Snake Pit, of course. Every year, Indy pulls out all the stops. They bring out the best of the best of them. I'm not sure if they've had Diplo, but I, I'm I'm actually going to have to put a bug in somebody's ear at IndyCar to was, bring Diplo. Uh, it was Skrillex and Alinium. I knew that for sure. But I think Chris Vick yeah. was also on that bill too. Yep. Skrillex was there. Every year, they outdo themselves. Yeah, every really single do. year. What they do by doing this, they bring in the non-IndyCar fans. Exactly. So you don't have to know anything about motorsports to come down to the track and enjoy yourself. If you guys have not been to the track, for our listeners that are listening to the podcast, Indy 500 is huge. I mean, it's a golf course, a lake. It's enough for 30,000 people to be partying and people that are actually sitting in the stands 
watching a race to not even be aware of the music or anything else that's going on. That's how huge that place is. Each year, they do a wonderful job. I've said that three times. I guess I'll say it a fourth time. Each year, <laughs> the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and IndyCar does an excellent job in putting on a show for the Indy 500. That leads us to one of two hot topics that we are going to jump into Here we go. this <laughs> podcast. The first one is ranking the races. Formula One. Monaco Grand Prix versus IndyCars, Indy 500 versus NASCAR's Coca-Cola 600. Kenny, if you had to rank them, how would you rank them? I think I would go Indy 500 first, Coke 600 second, and Monaco. The two and three are the hardest ones to pick between. That's I will say that right off the jump. It's just difficult because... IndyCar literally put on probably the best product they possibly could have put on at Indy. And that's what they strive for last year. After last year, fans' complaints of not being enough passing, not being enough action, IndyCar said, all right, look, we'll listen. We'll make some tweaks. They do so. Then on top of that, they get an overcast day, which if you've watched any practice in IndyCar for my IndyCar fans out there, when it was overcast, there was a lot of passing going on, even in practice. It was pretty crazy. And then look what we ended up getting on Sunday. Probably one of the best races I have seen at Indy in a while. Then on top of that, Simon Pagano, his story and him saving his own ride for one at Penske by sweeping the entire weekend, winning the Grand Prix last weekend, and then winning the Indy 500 this year. So that was cool. Um, Coke 600, I'd say, for what it was... I actually thought there was going to be way less cautions. I thought it was going to be in the single digits. And the racing was pretty good for what it was. I thought we got a little bit of Kansas, a little bit of what it was there. Got a lot of crazy four wide and three wide moments that probably should have never happened, but did. And I thought we got a pretty good show out of that. Monaco, I'll go to and just say, the thing about F1 and Monaco, the track itself is just not really built for the size of the cars now. They really can't pass unless they literally hit the hell out of each other like Leclerc did. But unfortunately with him, he cut a tire. And the action happens on pit road. And then the way that race is always won, unless something goes wrong, is qualifying. And once Mercedes got the pole and Lewis Hamilton in particular got it, I'm like, he's probably going to win. And voila, magic, we got Sunday. So that's my thoughts. I don't know about you, Renee. What's up? I'm going to go with the same exact lineup that you had because that's kind of the way I looked at it as well. And I think you're right. Like when it comes to Formula One, the, the only thing that I would have a problem with is the same thing. There's not much room to do anything else other than just kind of go through the track in the, in the way that you're, you're driving through it. You can't pass. You can't make some crazy moves. You, I mean, I guess you can be risky, but it's just like you said, you can't really do much unless you wreck the hell out of each other. And then, and, and, and you don't really really see that. <laughs> So in that case, it kind of just limits, but I still enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. But then you compare right. it to something like Indy and it's, it's, there's just no comparison. And that's the thing. The Indy thing just in whole of what we just went over, the music and uh, the celebrities that show up and then the racing itself and then the people getting crazy. It's just, it's like one big crazy partying event on top of, you almost kind of forget, oh my God, that's right. There's a race. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and then even the race was good. Simon didn't even know if he was still going to have a job afterwards. Yeah, yeah, and then he ends up winning it. And I, I had, and that's why I picked Simon because I knew 
there's something about a Penske on on days like this that the Penske drivers just shine, and Simon just did exactly what he needed to do. I don't think there's any discussion whether he's going to uh, have a job or not, but uh, I think that's all said and done. And then you go to the Coca-Cola 600, and it's not, it wasn't as great as Indy, uh, but it was better than the Formula One. So in that sense, I thoroughly Really? You thought that it was better? Well, maybe because I didn't watch a whole lot of F1, but I, I actually watched the entire 600. And maybe that's probably why I'm I'm basing it like that. But I thoroughly enjoyed the 600. I thought it was a good race. I mean, I didn't think it was a, a fantastic race. A lot of the cautions just kind of like were wearing me down. But I enjoyed it a little bit better, though. Okay. Well, I guess everybody's waiting on me to weigh in. <laughs> I'm going to keep it simple for you. It went IndyCar, Formula One, and then Coca-Cola 600. I don't even need to give any explanation because... Part two of what I was saying, the two hot topics, one is really all about the Coca-Cola 600. <laughs> but yeah, I liked everything about the IndyCar race, even when Tacoma overtook my boyfriend in my head, Joseph Newgarden, <laughs> for the third place finish. First of all, Joseph, I was like, maybe he can move up. But then at that point, I was like, man, this is a two-man race. Joseph is going to settle for third. But <laughs> it didn't even work out like that. So, yeah, so I liked everything. But, Kenny, I know you wanted to add something. Go ahead. Yeah, I thought I'm glad you I'm really glad you brought up Takuma Sato's name because he actually had a problem on pit road earlier in the race. I forgot when it was, but he was a lap down in 31st. Oh, yeah, I remember. Lap. And, you know, in Indy, there's no there is no lucky dog like how it is in NASCAR. You literally have to get your lap back in order to come back. He did that. From 31st to 3rd, aside from Simon Pagano winning that race, I think that's probably one of the best stories of that weekend by far. He won in, what, 2017 or 2016? I think his was two years ago because Rossi was last year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yes. He's an IndyCar winner, but we need a Joseph to become an IndyCar winner. Maybe next year, but his teammate won. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Penske's got it going on. I almost won both races this weekend with uh, Coca-Cola 600 and, and Indy, so that would have been, been cool. They came just a little short with Joey Logano in second place. Yep. Okay, USA Today, they actually had an article. It was titled, Greatest Day in Motorsports, ranking the Monaco Grand Prix, Indy 500, and Coca-Cola 600. I think they agreed with me, or maybe I agreed with them, but how they ranked it was very simple. Their number one was the Indianapolis 500. Rank number two was the Monaco Grand Prix. And then rank number three was the Coca-Cola 600. Two people were involved in the ranking, and that was Michelle R. Martinelli. And she actually writes some good articles for USA Today about motorsports. And then the other one was Nick Swartz. And they're both USA Today for the win. Because if you guys follow USA Today Sports, they have a whole subsection called for the win. Now, this is where it gets a little little controversial. And we're going to weigh in with our opinion as well. But as they rank the races, Michelle added a little bit of commentary to her ranking. For each race, they told why they ranked it in the position that they ranked it. I'm not going to go into all that, but what I will do is read just a small excerpt from 
what Michelle had to say in regards to ranking the Coca-Cola 600 in third place. You guys ready? Because it's about to start some controversy. Here we go. She actually said, and again, I'm just reading a portion of it. The full article is available online at USA Today if you want to know everything she said. But what she said about the Coca-Cola 600 was, on top of all that, the Coke 600 is dripping with synthetic sponsor patriotism from the governing body titled NASCAR Salutes Refreshed by Coca-Cola. Surely there are more genuine and tangible ways to honor and in parentheses and support veterans than pausing the race for after the second stage for a 30 second moment of silence. Okay. Now I know you guys want to talk. Kenny, I don't even know if you should weigh in on this. But Renee, you feel free to weigh in on it. But before you even go there and tell me your opinion, I want to turn really quick to some of the things that were said on Twitter. Okay. And then we'll jump into our comments. So, of course, we posted on our Twitter account, did IndyCar put on a better show than NASCAR? Question mark. When things feel forced, forced in quotation marks, does it alienate the casual fan? Question mark. Does anyone outside of diehard NASCAR fans even care? Question mark. One of us will share some honest words about NASCAR and the Coca-Cola 600 on the next podcast. Of course, you guys know that's going to be me, but I'm going to let you guys say what you got to say, but I'm going to go in on that. Now, we had a few people chime in and respond, and I just want to read one or two responses. Mick Rose, his user is GoDucks42 underscore Mick. He chimed in and said, for the first time in a long time, the 600 and Indy were pretty equal. Most years, the 500 is better. Force does alienate fans. All season, I've been told, look at the loop data. The races are the best they have ever been. Still not sold part because how hard they are selling it. Now, in his defense and his comment, He didn't necessarily know what we were implying when he responded. We just used the title or just used the word force. So he could take that any way that he wanted to, which he did. Now, I'm going to jump into a few other ones. Actually, so Ed McMode, he chimed in and said, anytime traction compound is required, either the track or the car or both have an issue. I prefer 90s semi-stock aero packages and let Pontiac argue about the Ford and front air dam or quarter inch more spoilers. So he went in a whole different direction. And one last comment. This comes from A. Williams, a.k.a. The Booth. His user is the B-O-H-I-N-D-E-L on Twitter. I'm going to read a portion of what he said. He tweeted us several times, so I'm just going to read a couple of the tweets. He writes, The 500 yesterday was a hell of a show, and with NBC telecast just bumped it up 100%. It felt like action for those last 14 laps. Felt like a pulse-pounding thrill ride. The 600, first two stages was actually good, but it lost something for the final two stages. And how social media was last night, most casuals thought it ridiculous and how they should have placed in the beginning or they manufactured 
in quotes, fake patriotism, add in the length of the races, lack of drama in the final stage with all day racing, only diehards appreciated it. Now, that guy kind of went a little bit deep, and I think he took our comment maybe the way it was meant to be. I'm not going to say either way. We just kind of put it out there, and we let the fans decide how they wanted it to be. And before we jump into our opinions, and sorry to just give you an earful, I just wanted to add two more things. We asked this question, are you enjoying the Coca-Cola 600 so far? Question mark. Hashtag NASCAR. We posted this probably with about 75 laps to go. 67% said, yep. 15% said, uh. 6% said, no words. And 12% said, let down after the Indy 500. So with that being said, I guess it's safe to say that more than half of the people and quite a few people voted on this poll. They like the 600. Last question. And this was posted right before the podcast. and considerable amount of people weighed in on this as well. We wrote NBC slash hashtag IndyCar versus Fox slash hashtag Coca-Cola 600. Did IndyCar put on a better show than NASCAR? 54% said yes and 46% said no. I 100% disagree with all the people who voted yes. That's all you need to know on that because the fact that you just have to be Such a diehard NASCAR fan that you think NASCAR could do no wrong to believe that they put on a better show than IndyCar. And again, this is everybody's opinion, but that was my opinion. Okay, so Renee, getting back to the USA Today comment about the fake patriotism. It's up to you because it's a sensitive topic. If you don't want to chime in, don't chime in. Kenny, I don't think you should chime in and you already know why. But Renee, if you you come from a military background, yeah. what were your thoughts? Within regards to that, I don't know if it was uh, fake or not fake. To me, it doesn't really matter in the sense of like whether you're calling it fake or you're not calling it fake. What matters to me is that they took the time to do something. And regardless of what it was, I don't know what they could have done differently. I don't know what they could have done uh, better. Uh, but I thought that as long as you do something just to recognize and appreciate what the military and the veterans have done, not only for all of us, but for this great country of ours that we call the United States of America, regardless of what the opinions are of uh, who's in charge or who's not in charge or who you wanted to be in charge, we have to remember the veterans some kind of way and we have to remember and salute our military and show some support of some kind. So to me, I was okay with whatever whatever was going to happen or, or whatever they did. I was okay with that. I didn't take any offense to it. I didn't want to sit there and break it down and go, ah, oh, you know, that's bullshit. That, that, was, that was fake. Excuse my language. But I didn't want to do that because I wanted to, I just wanted to see all of them just kind of show some kind of support, whether it was a moment of silence or not moment of silence, when they did the moment of silence, when they shouldn't have done the moment of silence. Regardless of the fact, they did something, and that's all I cared about, and I, and I was happy with that. So the question, I guess, in regards to what you just said, Renee, is we all agree that they should do something to acknowledge the yeah. truth, but when does it become too much? Like, the whole broadcast leading up to the race was about the truth. Yeah. Every driver mentioned the truth. Everything was about the truth. But at some point, I, I, I guess... Was it overkill? As a diehard NASCAR fan, 
And there were some other people who chimed in that said things about this. I just personally felt that you don't stop a race for a moment of silence and then march the army out to do a salute. No, I just thought it was overkill. And that to me is when it became as the quote we read from the USA Today synthetic right. or from the Twitter comments, it became like a fake patriotism. Right. I don't think anything is fake about NASCAR salute to the troops, but I do think it's overkill. Now, somebody may argue, can you actually have overkill? Yeah, because it's too much. Right. But I, that's I just my opinion. Right. So in that sense, maybe they could have done without that part because what happens is it takes away from the momentum of the race. Uh, and even maybe from a driver's standpoint, you're, you're just kind of sitting there waiting and now you're going, okay, well, my, my, my juices are flowing. Let, 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 let us get back on the track. But now we have to wait and now we have to see this. And, and it's just, and I, I see what you're saying, Tammy, and, and, and you're probably right. It, it, at that point, uh, I was okay with maybe a little something, but then it, it seemed like it, dr- it just dragged on a little too long. So, Yes, I, I, I would agree with that, Tam. And, and maybe that probably just kind of killed a little momentum of the race itself. I'll, I want to add this. NASCAR has an image problem. And we've talked about this before. We don't yes, we have. <laughs> particularly fit the bill of a NASCAR fan. And at some point, you have a sport and you have to cater to your fans. But when does it become a thing where you constantly alienate people who may have an interest in the sport. This is why I always think IndyCar does a great job. IndyCar, whether you liked motorsports or not, IndyCar made you feel welcome. And they always make you feel welcome. They don't make you feel like you need to be somebody from the South who carries a Trump flag to support the sport. And I feel like NASCAR does a great job at alienating people who don't fit the mold of the Southern fan. Right. That's just my opinion. And I can say that honestly, because I've been around the sport for many years and I've been at the track. I see the commercials all the time. I thought the Coca-Cola 600 was a perfect example of a race that if I was a casual fan and I was flipping through the channels and I came across the race, I probably would be a little like, oh God, it it just, I don't know the exact words to explain how I feel. And again, I'm not from the South. I'm from California. We, we're totally different people, totally different beliefs about everything. That doesn't mean that we can't all get along because we believe different things. I just think that NASCAR does a great job of Making you feel that if you're not a good old boy from the South, that it's a Absolutely. sport that you That's exactly cannot was, appreciate. You took the words right out of my mouth. That's just my opinion. And that was the realest thing. If, well, not that I've not been real on this podcast, but that's one of the realest things you will ever hear. I'm being honest. That's the way I feel sometimes with NASCAR. They don't necessarily welcome you if you don't feel the stereotypical NASCAR fan mold. You know, maybe this is somewhat of how. Jeff Gordon felt when he first came in the sport, yeah. or even Jimmy Johnson for that matter, because Jimmy is not your typical NASCAR driver. Like, in all honesty, if I had to pluck Jimmy Johnson out of NASCAR, I would put him in Formula One because he has the swag <laughs> yeah, of a Formula does, right? One driver. <laughs> Ironic thing is, even though Blaney is born and bred into NASCAR, 
Blaney has the swag of a Formula One driver as well. I could see Blaney in Formula One more yeah, so than totally NASCAR. That's the, just yeah, my thought. I, I could totally see him in the car too. Kenny, if you wanted to weigh in, like Kenny, actually, what driver would you pick to go to Formula One? Like, who do you feel fits more in with Formula One than NASCAR? Probably would say, just like you guys just said, a, a mix between Jimmy Johnson and Ryan Blaney. It's just really the way they carry themselves versus everyone else. Just like the example of, you mentioned it, Ryan Blaney grew up in Morrisville, North Carolina. And trust and believe me, when I say that place is <laughs> country enough, well, it's country. You would know Kenny. Right. I've been up there and it's nothing but trees and some nice houses. But he doesn't necessarily give off that type of mold, just, just given the way he dresses. And same thing with Jimmy Johnson. He just has that type of swagger and just that type of cadence that would scream out, I'm a Formula One driver. I could see him on the grid at Monaco. Like that, that, if you can fit in Monaco, that is how you know you look like an, a Formula One driver. But same thing with Jeff Gordon. He could probably have done the same thing too at some point just I by the way he too. dressed and the way he looked. Him and Jimmy Johnson are two California kids. You know, that's us California people. We just, we just different. <laughs> Y'all are, yeah, 100%. It's not a better. I to school with a lot of. Because I'm girl. not a person who thinks that because you're born in the South that you're better. Or if you're born in California, you're better. I don't feel that way because, <laughs> perfect example, Kevin Harvick was raised in Bakersfield. I spent time in Bakersfield. Bakersfield is not Los Angeles. I've said that on many occasions. It's not necessarily <laughs> a country thing versus a city thing because they're country parts of California as well. Hell, I sound country. Most people be like, you're from Los Angeles? I say, I surely am. They're like, oh, you sound like you're from North Kakalaka. I'm like, no, I'm from Los Angeles. But yeah, but nonetheless, so I think that kind of sums up my thought on the Coca-Cola 600. I did think that it was overkill. I don't ever think it's too much to honor somebody, but I do think that it's overkill. And I think IndyCar did a great job. IndyCar is an American sport and it's in the Midwest. It's not even in the South or in on the West Coast. It's in the Midwest, which is typical racing fan. Mm-hmm. I thought that they gave you enough Yep. honoring of the troops and enough patriotism where you didn't feel like, oh my God, is the whole broadcast going to be about this? Now, granted, and you know, I had came across this, I don't know if I still, let me see if I can pull it up, but there was a comment that I saw from, I want to say from, I'm trying to think, it was from somebody in NASCAR. It wasn't Steve Phelps. It was somebody else at NASCAR and they were like, yeah, this weekend is a, not about partying and all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. And I just kind of felt, don't preach to me. Who are you to tell me what I should do with this weekend and how I should celebrate it? I just think that sometimes we forget that everybody is entitled to their own opinion and their own feelings. So where I may feel as if the weekend or NASCAR's Coca-Cola 600 was a little bit overkill, with the patriotism, I can't tell you or anybody listening how to feel. And I can't tell you to agree with me because if you disagree with me, then you disagree with me. And that's fine because that's the American way. Since you want to talk about patriotism, we are here to have our opinions. Now, then there's the argument that people fight for our opinions. Uh, Spare me with all that. Here's the bottom line is that somehow, some way, 
And not to go too deep, we all ended on this earth and we're all different and we can believe whatever we want to believe. What you believe is not right or wrong and what I believe is not right or wrong. Unless you're trying to do harm to somebody, then that's a whole nother story. But saying that to say, now the conversation has gotten a little too deep and you know, here on All Turns No Breaks, we like to keep it lighthearted. Yep. So let's get back. To the funk. We want the funk. Uh, okay. I had to, you know, do something to lighten it up a little bit. If anybody wants to add something, feel free. If you don't want to add anything, that's fine with me. We can head over to our predictions and talk about Pocono. All right. Let's do that. Let's talk about some Pocono and some predictions. Since I've done most of the talking on this podcast, I'm going to shut up. And I'm going to let you take it from here, Kenny. Uh, yeah, so we're getting ready to head to Pocono next week. So that should be a very, very fun race. This will actually be the last year for now that we will have two weekends at Pocono. Next year, we're going to have the double headers. And I actually think that with this package, it should bring quite an interesting race, given the fact that we have such long straightaways at Pocono. It's kind of like Indianapolis where once the restart gets going, it's going to be pretty crazy. Now, if you thought what you saw at Charlotte this past weekend, three, four wide, imagine that times two at Pocono, where there's so much room on the front stretch, and it's so long. That front stretch is ridiculous. So you're probably going to have guys spread out all over the place. So I think, again, like a lot of the drivers had mentioned this weekend when they talked to the media, is that when they go to Pocono, it's, it's going to be slower for one. That's another thing we yeah. have to note. The cars are going to be a little slower. So them going down that straightaway is going to take a little bit longer. It also means you have a little bit longer to make a move. But once you make your move on the restart and you get clean air, you're good to go. You're gone. That's just how it's going to have to be. So I'm pretty sure next weekend or this coming week, we're going to have a lot of guys take risk on the restart because that's probably going to be the best time you can pass someone. I want to say something real quick, kind of going back to what you had said earlier, and then you just reiterated a few minutes ago, how sometimes we saw three, four wides when we really shouldn't have seen that, but somehow these guys made it happen. And how they made it happen and nobody actually really like wrecked in that manner is is crazy. It's mind-boggling. I I was like, did I just see four wides? I thought I was going crazy. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know, Tim. Did you did, did you happen to see any of that by any chance? You're talking about the Ford Wide at Charlotte Motor Speedway? Yeah. I thought it was entertaining. I thought it was pretty cool. It was something different. Didn't expect to see it, especially coming through the tri-oval. And there's not a lot of room out there. I can tell you firsthand, the front stretch of the tri-oval at Charlotte, it's really, really minimal air. Like, you, you make one wrong little bump, little jitter. That's a wrap. And I think going back to that, speaking of um, Charlotte again, when Kurt Busch wrecked, I seriously have no idea how everyone managed to get by him. There were a couple guys that yeah. were two or three wide trying to get by him. Luckily, some people got through the now new AstroTurf, which I, I think should be standard that. around the board. But um, people made it work and they got past him. But just overall, the restarts there, just like we saw at Charlotte, were really crazy. But the thing is, again, at Pocono, we're going to have a ton and it's a ton more room to work with. So four wide is there. I'm not <laughs> sure if five wide, just depending <laughs> on how risky somebody wants to get on Sunday. I don't know. Yeah, it depends on how greedy these drivers get. 
Yeah, seriously. Yeah, get too greedy. I don't know. Have somebody in the fence that way, but we'll have to see on Sunday. It may be a very entertaining race, especially if it comes down to a final restart, like kind of how we got here at Charlotte this past weekend. Yeah. And if we get the same thing on Sunday, it should it should be crazy. I'm I'm looking forward to it for a change. Okay, well, Renee, we waiting on you to give your predictions. Then I'm going to chime in. It's time for Tam and Renee's Race Predictions. Okay, well, here we go. Predictions. Here we go. All right. Uh, straight to the point. I'm actually going to go with, with, and I cannot believe I picked Martin Truex Jr. and I thought I picked Joey Logano. But I'm going to go with, actually, Joey Logano. This time, for real, I'm going to go with Joey Logano. You know, the fact that he rallied and came in second is just really crazy because he really could have pulled that off, especially with that last restart. But Martin Truex Jr. just just had a, a, a seemed to just obviously have a better car at the end. But I'm going to go with Joey Logano to be in victory lane uh, this coming weekend. And if I have to pick an alternative pick, I'm actually going to go with Chase Elliott again. I, I, I don't know why I'm keeping with Chase Elliott, but I feel like Chase Elliott could possibly win this race this weekend as well. But I'm going to go with Joey Logano in victory lane this weekend. Those are my picks, and I'm sticking with them. Okay, so Kenny, who you got now that we've heard Renee's predictions? Yeah, so I'm um, going to Pocono, Tricky Triangle. It's got three turns technically. Sometimes they say it's four. But what I will say, based on your famous history lesson, Gibbs have done pretty well there in the past. And in the last two years in the spring race, uh, or the summer race, however you want to call it now, um, it's been between Kyle Busch and Martin Truex. So what I'm going to do, do something a little different. I'm still rolling with a Gibbs car. I'm going to pick Denny Hamlin, who has traditionally been pretty good here as my main pick. And as my alternative pick, I'm going to go with last year's spring winner or summer winner, Kyle Busch. So what about you, Miss Tam? Well, you mentioned Tam's famous history lesson. And you also mentioned Denny Hamlin. You're right. Denny Hamlin is a four-time winner at Pocono, but he hasn't won a race at Pocono since 2010. I'm not quite sure if he's going to go and make it an even decade without a win at Pocono. (laughs) I'm not 100% sure on that. And while we're at it, Kurt Busch is actually a three-time winner at Pocono, and brother Kyle Busch is a two-time winner, and Truex Jr. is also a two-time winner. Here's the ironic thing. I'm not sure if you guys realize this, but Chris Buescher won a race at Pocono in 2016, his only cup race. And Blaney... I forgot about that in the fall. Yes. Crazy. And Blaney, as in Mr. Ryan Blaney, Mr. Formula One here himself, he actually won a race there in 2017. Pocono is kind of kind to people who don't necessarily always grace the winner circle. But that's not where I'm going, just so you know. Oh, and one interesting fact, Richard Petty won the first race ever at Pocono in 1974. Wouldn't that be something if Bubba Wallace won? Man, that would be nice. That would be nice. That would be crazy. Yeah, but I'm not going there either because I'm going (laughs) to stick with my tried and true Kyle Busch for the W. And I'm going to go with Kurt. No, I'm going to go with. Martin Truex Jr. is my alternative. Martin has won three of the last five races. He's hot. Who's to say he can't win again? But Kyle Busch is my pick again this week, and Martin Truex Jr. is my alternative. Everybody has put in their picks, Tam. That's her picks. Kenny, those are his picks, and those are my picks. If you guys have picks, why don't you let us know about it? Get us up on our social media. Like Tam says, you can hit us up across the board at, at Turns No Breaks on the Twitter or the Instagram. You can also follow us on Facebook. But please 
please do us a huge favor. Please go and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcast. Please subscribe and leave us a comment. We really do appreciate that. We really appreciate all your comments. We really appreciate all of your support. So please continue to uh, follow us. Please continue to support us because all turns, no breaks cannot happen without you, the listeners. And this is a podcast for fans, by fans. And for Kenny, myself, and for Miss Tam, we wish you a wonderful week. And we will see you again on another episode of All Turns No Breaks right here. See y'all. Drink more water. Stay hydrated. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in with Tam and Renee. 